0: Good morning, Ethos HV. Yeah, grab a seat. How are y'all doing this morning? Pretty good. Dude, how about this fall weather? Everyone like feeling stoked about it? Me too, me too. It's always, I love like the first Sunday of the year when it's cold enough that people show up in their cardigans and sweaters and jackets and all of that. It's just like, all right. We're almost there. We still have like two days later this week that are 80 degrees. And so is this just a little appetizer? But that's right. Maggie's like, shh, don't talk about it. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. All right, sweet. Awesome. If we've not met yet, my name is Gentry. I am on our pastoral and teaching team here at Ethos Hillsborough Village. And we here at Ethos HV are in our second week of a brand new teaching series that Josh kicked off for us last week called Come and Stay, where like in a culture that is come and go, Jesus's invitation is to come and And stay. And last week, with Josh kicking us off, he explored uh, one of our anchoring passages from John chapter 15. And this week, we're going to explore kind of our pairing, like second anchor passage for this series. Um, But this teaching is kind of like. It is a part two to what Josh brought us last week in a lot of ways, and so if you missed Josh's teaching last week, my invitation to you is to go back on the podcast, listen to that, um, because again, this teaching is really just kind of building on the foundations that Josh laid for us last week, and also both of these teachings last week and this week are still just kind of like vision for what the next nine weeks are going to look like in this teaching series, And so we're all still just kind of forecasting and paving the way for what we're gonna pick up with next week and through this fall. If you have a Bible with you, I'm gonna invite you to go ahead and open up to Galatians chapter five. That's where our second kind of anchoring passage for this teaching series is at. We're gonna be picking up in verse 16 of Galatians five. These are the words of the apostle Paul, he writing to the church in Galatia, So Galatians 5, picking up in verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Like some of you guys here this morning, I grew up in the church and at the church that I grew up at on Sunday evenings, I got to be a part of this kids worship service that we called Kids Express. And we would go, and we would sing children's worship songs, and we would watch a puppet show, and on the night that you graduated from Kids Express, you got to throw water balloons at this guy dressed up as Goliath. It was super, super cool, super fun. Um, But I distinctly remember singing this one song growing up in Kids Express uh, that my best friend's dad would lead, and it went went like this, the fruit of the spirits, not a... And then all the kids would just yell out random fruit. So like, kiwi, I would always yell kiwi because that was my favorite fruit. I thought it was pretty like obscure and indie um, and I liked them. And so I always wanted that one to be the one that they chose and sang in the song. I don't think it ever happened, but... So then you would keep on singing, okay, they'd choose a fruit, the fruit of the Spirit's not a Kiwi. If you want to be a Kiwi, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit, the fruit is. And then you would, yeah, yeah, you'd sing down that list we just read out of Galatians 5, and all the kids sing in their sing-songy voice, and it was super cute. And growing up, singing this song, I was like, I'm not too sure what fruit has to do with the spirit, but I like singing, I like kiwis, and I like Jesus, so like whatever, it all makes it, it works for me. I don't get it, but it works, uh, and I'm here for it. And as silly as that is, the truth is like that's kind of a hard, this language of fruit, it's a hard metaphor for kids to understand, but us as adults here this morning, it actually makes a lot more sense, right? It's pretty easy for us to grasp. What Paul is speaking to here in Galatians 5, he's speaking about the results or outcomes of how you live your life. Fruit equals results or outcomes. Think about how you might ask someone, like if something that they did, some endeavor or some business or whatever, if it was fruitful or not, In other words, what you're asking them is, did it yield the results that you were looking for? Notice, however, that in Galatians 5, Paul's question is not, is your life fruitful? But what kind of fruit is your life producing? Because the truth is, we all bear fruit of some kind. All of our lives are bearing some kind of fruit, It might be a little bit of fruit, it might be a lot of fruit, it might be great fruit, it might be not so great fruit, but all of our lives bear fruit. And there's honestly just like no way of really getting around that. It just kind of happens as we live our life. Jesus actually says something similar about these two kinds of fruit in Matthew 7, In Matthew 7, Jesus, he's talking about the Pharisees, these religious teachers of the day, and he says, You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way that they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Now, Jesus, he's talking about identifying false teachers by judging the fruit of their life against their teaching. But the underlying principle of what Jesus is saying here applies to all of us. There are two kinds of metaphorical fruit that humans can produce with our lives. So again, the question is not, are you fruitful? But what kind of fruit are you producing? Is it the fruit of the spirit? Or is it the fruit born out of living according to your flesh? That part of our nature that is bent in on itself and away from God, which begs another question. If my life is producing fruit, like without me even trying, without me necessarily doing anything, what in my life is producing that fruit? How does that fruit come to be? Last week, like I mentioned, Josh was kind of exploring John 15 for us where Jesus uses another plant and fruit metaphor he calls himself the vine or the trunk of a plant. And he calls the father the vine dresser or the gardener that tends to this garden. And he calls us, his disciples, the branches. And his instruction in John 15 is to remain or abide in him because in his words, a branch cannot bear fruit unless it remains connected to the vine. So, a branch produces fruit by simply staying connected to the vine, in this case, Jesus. And you're all like, okay, yeah, duh, like that's pretty straightforward. Also, Josh just said all that last week, but stick with me. We're going to keep going a little further now. It produces fruit by simply staying connected to the vine. The life source that gives the branch its nutrients and water that it needs to grow and bear fruit. All the branch has to do is stay connected. If you look back at Galatians 5, it's kind of subtle, but then once you see it, it actually is not so subtle. Paul is picking up on Jesus' metaphor from John 15 about bearing fruit. And what is Paul's instruction in the passage we read from Galatians 5? Does he command the church to be more fruitful? No, he actually doesn't. He doesn't command the church to be more fruitful. He does not command the disciples to be more loving or to be more patient or to be more kind. Paul actually gives one instruction three different times, slightly different each time to walk by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, and to keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, to remain or abide in the vine. If we do this, then we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. Have any of you like ever read the fruit of the spirit and been like, okay, that's what my life should look like. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try even harder at each of these things, right? I'm gonna try to be more patient. Has anyone ever tried that? Yep, sweet, Josie. Uh, how has that worked out? Like awesome, no? right on. Typically, in my experience, it's like by at 9 a.m., okay, easy peasy, but come 9 p.m., like all patience is typically gone. And you end up in this cycle of falling short, getting frustrated with yourself, banging your head against the wall and like, well, I gotta try harder next time. But the branch of a tree doesn't produce fruit by trying really hard, does it? but by simply staying and abiding in the vine. What if I told you that the pressure is not on you to produce fruit? Your job isn't to produce fruit, but to sit at the feet of Jesus and let him nourish and water you. This, this think, way of thinking, it goes against our culture's addiction to and idolatry of productivity. Where we all have this thing within us for some reason, it's probably different for each of us, where we believe that the onus is on us to produce and to prove and to earn. Some of you Have this picture when you think about Jesus or you think about God, that he is looking at you and is always disappointed in you because you're not doing enough or you're not good enough or your life is not fruitful enough. And so you feel this shame and you're like, all right, I gotta go out and produce more to bring back to God. But the problem is you don't stay connected to the vine if you're trying to bring fruit like that. What if I told you Jesus isn't looking at you disappointed by your lack of effort to produce fruit, but simply desires you to come and stay in his presence a while. Jesus taught that fruit is the natural byproduct, the outflowing of whatever vine we abide in. Jesus, he was actually, when he did that in John 15, he's picking up on an idea and language from the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah, who both talk about God planting a vineyard with a true vine. But the people continue to choose to be wild vines that are not connected to the true vine, and therefore wild vines that produce wild fruit. Notice, Jesus doesn't say, I am the only vine. He says, I am the true or the genuine vine, which implies that there are other false and wild vines that we can end up attaching ourselves to. And if that's the case, what vine do you abide in? The true vine or a wild and false vine? And what kind of fruit does that vine produce? If you abide in a vine of accumulation of possessions and wealth, you will bear its subsequent fruit of jealousy and envy. If you abide in watching hours of the soft porn that we call Netflix, you will yield its subsequent fruit of sexual immorality and impurity. If you abide most deeply in your identity at work or as an artist, then you will, in the hustle to quote, "make it," then you will abide its subsequent fruit of hustle and ego, as it permeates your soul and shapes your heart. And if you abide in the presence of Jesus, you are going to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Now this isn't necessarily an indictment on all of those things I just listed, maybe some or in some degree, but not all. But seriously, like ask yourselves the question, like what activities take up the most of my time and most of my heart? And if we're honest, is the presence of Jesus even close to the top of that list? Another word for what Jesus and Paul are getting at in these passages is what a lot of times in modern church language we call spiritual formation or the process of being formed in the image of Jesus. Because I mean, what else is the fruit of the Spirit other than the character of God being formed in us? Each of those words that Paul uses to that he lists are descriptors of the spirit of God and therefore the character of Christ. Who is more loving than Christ himself? Who's more joyful or peaceful or patient than the God who created us and delights in his creation? Paul and Jesus, their point is that as we sit in the loving presence of God, that he forms in us the attributes of his own character, what we call the fruit of the Spirit. John Mark Comer summarizes the life of a Jesus follower into three primary goals, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what he did. And when I first heard that list of goals a number of years ago, and I thought about becoming like Jesus, I figured that was going to take a lot of homework to become like Jesus. A lot of reading, a lot of trying really hard of like white knuckling it and trying to do and be better to be like Jesus. But I've come to realize that more than anything to become like Jesus, what I need more than anything else is to simply be with Jesus. The order of those goals is actually incredibly important because it is in our being with Jesus, in our abiding or our walking in step with the Spirit, that we are actually made to be more like Jesus. I've got a couple stories for you guys to kind of like paint this picture. The first one I distinctly remember in the early years of my like following Jesus. Taylor and I, my wife, uh, at the time we were dating and in college. And I have this memory of this one car ride where I just frankly was like not being very kind or loving or Christ-like towards her. And as we were pulling into the Walmart parking lot over in 100 Oaks, she kind of called me out on it. She's like, hey, like, why are you treating me like this? This is not normal for you, what's going on? And I parked the car as we pulled into the parking lot and sat there silently for a minute cause I'm an internal processor and really slow at it. And it takes me several minutes to like connect the dots to what's going on in my like heart and mind. But after a moment it hit me, like I had not been prioritizing or spending time in the presence of God, simply enjoying his presence and drawing near to him. The fruit of the flesh in my life was like a check engine light that came on the dashboard of my soul, diagnosing a problem. I had drifted from the vine, the true vine. Similarly, kind of on the other end of the spectrum from that story, again, Taylor, my wife, she shared this story with me several months ago. She She was hanging out with a couple of people And there was this interaction that happened while they were in public, which led to a subsequent conversation where one of these people she was with said that she is one of the most positive people that they know. And based on the context of the story, I think you could easily plug in joyful or kind in place of positive, which Taylor thought that this was like somewhat comical. She's like, Really? Because not that Taylor thinks she's a mean or negative person, but she's like, I'm just being like what myself. Like I'm just being a normal person. But what happened there? Taylor didn't say this when she told me the story. I'm saying it for her. Taylor has been with Jesus and out of that place of connection to the living presence of God fruit has been made manifest in her life. Fruit that is strange and out of the ordinary for the world around us, yet beautiful and compelling. That is spiritual formation, lingering in the presence of God frequently enough and long enough that he is able to begin to shape the inmost parts of our being so that our hearts look more like His. 2 Corinthians 3 18, Paul says this. He says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. There it is again, like in case you needed another one. As we sit in the presence of Of Jesus, as we behold his glory and contemplate his beauty, the spirit begins to transform our hearts to look more like his. In other words, we begin to bear fruit as we abide in the vine. We have to spend time with Jesus if we are going to become more like Jesus and bear the fruit of his spirit in our lives. And that simply is the goal of the series that we are stepping into this fall, to take Jesus up on his invitation to come and stay, to sit in the presence, in his presence, to behold him, to contemplate him, and to allow the spirit space to transform our hearts and minds to look more like Christ. So for the next nine weeks, that's what we're gonna do together. For the next nine weeks, each week, we're going to spend time together just contemplating one particular aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, starting with love next week, and then joy the week after that, and on down that list from here in Galatians 5. Each week, we're going to look at a particular story from Scripture where we see the love or the joy or the peace displayed in the character of God. And then we're going to take time to meditate on that story, to contemplate his character and simply sit in his presence and cast our gaze on him. Last week, Josh also introduced to us this idea of contemplative prayer this type of prayer that is about just sitting in the presence of God, beholding him and contemplating him, enjoying his presence. And that is the plan for the next nine weeks to enjoy and sit in the presence and the character of God. And along with that, I also want to introduce to you guys a reading plan that we've put together for you that will serve as a companion to go alongside the series that we'll be doing here at the Ruby on Sundays. Each week, we're going to have a little card like this one for you to take home and to hang out with for the next week. And you'll see on this card, on one side, it has Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, with a verse for each day of the week for you guys to go and sit on. And each week, these verses will correspond to the particular fruit that we've been sitting in the Sunday before, aside from this week, which is actually all of these are centered around this idea of abiding in the presence of God. Psalm one says, blessed is the one who delights in the law or in the scriptures of the Lord and who meditates on them day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does, does not wither. And so we wanted our whole church, we wanted to just invite all of you guys, not just to sit in the presence of God here on Sundays as we're gathered together, but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and every day of your week when you're not here. Because as good as I believe that Sunday mornings are going to be over the next nine weeks, I believe that the real life The real transformation, the real fruit is going to rest in the time that you carve out to get away and to get alone with Jesus for yourself. And so that's the invitation, to abide with Jesus and to contemplate his glory daily. And so with this uh, reading plan, the invitation is for you to choose a time of day to just Be with Jesus, to commune with God. Maybe the morning works best for you. Maybe it's the evening. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle of the day. If you want extra bonus points, come and do these like morning and evening if you've got the time and wanna commit to that. And then once you've chosen a time of day, like every day, you'll see these little instructions on here to pause, to read, to abide, and to yield to first come and just pause and be still in the presence of God, to take a deep, few deep breaths, to calm your body and your mind, to set the distractions and worries of your to-do list to the side and linger in the presence of God. And then to read, to like slowly and prayerfully read the selected passage for the day. then to abide, to just sit in these stories, to meditate on them, to contemplate them. You know, if it is a story, maybe you take some time to read it and reread it and then imagine yourself in that story. Maybe if it is a teaching or a phrase, it's something that you just chew on and turn over in your mind and just meditate on before finally just... Taking a moment to yield to the presence of God, sitting in the reality of God's character that is being revealed in that particular scripture, and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you through it. So that's the invitation. All those instructions are going to be here on this card that you'll have in just a moment. But I have a few practical encouragements for you as well as you guys venture out into this. First is to actually block out and schedule this time in your calendar. Like for a lot of us, if it doesn't actually hit our calendar, it's probably not going to happen. That's just the way that we operate in 2023. And so my challenge and invitation to you is to schedule it on your phone and to make that time sacred. Like if it's in the morning, have a ritual of brewing a cup of coffee or light a candle or something that sets this time and place apart. My second encouragement would be to use your Bible, to actually like put your phone in a different room or at least six feet away from you where you can't reach it on silent and to use a bible with pages where there's ink on white paper because there is something different about the way that our brains actually interact with ink on a paper on paper that i think is going to invite you deeper into god's presence than using your phone third in a similar note would be to have a journal nearby Maybe you process better by writing. Maybe you write your prayers out or maybe you just want to have that nearby to write down notes uh, as things come to you during your prayer time. And then my final encouragement, and this this is a big one. Don't judge your time. Don't judge your experience. Don't give yourself a grade on how well you think you did. Simply let it be and then just keep showing up. Sometimes you might have an amazing experience. Sometimes it might feel a little lackluster. But my invitation is to not judge your experience, but to just keep showing up. So there's there's the practical uh, encouragements and the plan for what we're doing. But here's the tricky part about a reading plan that I just presented to you all. Many of us, when we hear the words reading plan, we think that I just gave you guys a bunch of homework and therefore a to-do list of five different things to do this week. But I want you to hear me. Erase that idea from your brain. The language of reading plan implies that you sit down, that you read the scripture, you close your Bible and you move on, on to the next thing. Check, got that off the list. But what does Psalm 1 say that we read a second ago? Does it say, blessed is the one who reads his Bible every day? No, it says, blessed is the one who delights in the scriptures and meditates on them day and night. Blessed is the one who just sits and enjoys the scriptures in the presence of God, meditating on them slowly reading and rereading and praying the scriptures. This serves as a doorway deeper into prayer and deeper into communion with God. And so here's how I want you to think of this reading plan. Instead of seeing a list of five tasks to get done this week, I want you instead to see five daily invitations to be with Jesus to commune with the living God and to step into that. And if you miss a day, don't play catch up. Just simply move on to the next invitation. It's it's cool. Like Jesus just wants you to come and stay. Don't worry about catching up. That's not the point. Both this reading plan and this series, they're an invitation to just come and sit at the feet of Jesus And so that's the plan for the next nine weeks. Um, As we move to communion, you guys will find uh, on the inside aisles here, bowls of communion, and also a stack of these little business card reading plan things. By the way, they're business card size, so you can put them in your wallet or bookmark them so you can just carry this around with you as a constant reminder to just be with Jesus. Um, But you'll find those, you guys can go ahead and grab them and pass them down as we step into our time of communion as well as those communion bowls. And so here's what I want you to step into. For the next like five to 10 minutes, we're gonna have some soft music playing over you guys. And I want you to first pull out your phone and actually schedule some time this week on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to grab this card, to open your Bible and to be with Jesus. That's what I want you to do first is pull out your phone, schedule that. And then once you're done, put your phone away and just like commune with God. Pray over your time this week, sitting in his presence as we take communion, like we take the bread and the cup each week as a remembrance of Christ, right? Like, But uh, this time of communion, it also serves as a time, that word itself, I've been using it this whole time I've been standing up here, haven't I? Of communing with God, sitting in his presence. And so that's the other invitation. As you pray, as you take the bread, as you take the cup, just sit in the presence of Jesus in commune with him. And then we're gonna close in worship after that.